0: you don't even know if it's going to be good yet. So, <laughs> um, Yeah, I, I'd, I, I'd be really remiss if I didn't start off by just saying um, just what an honor and a, and a privilege it is to stand on this stage. As Robin said... Um, been at Christ City for a couple of years now, and my only experience, my wife and I's only experience in Memphis in sort of full-time church ministry has been here at Christ City Church, and Drew and Robin and Andrew have ministered to me in so many ways. I've learned so much from them um, that it's it's always an honor to, to take the pulpit and handle God's Word, but especially here on this stage in this church with this body, um, it's, it's such a privilege to stand here. I don't, I don't take it lightly. Um, it's it's an honor, and it's incredibly humbling. Um, and in case it wasn't like humbling enough, they like rented this little tiny stage for me just to remind me that I'm I'm here. Um, no, no, this is this. Some more we're testing out. People on the podcast are gonna be like, "Where is he preaching from?" Um, so we are. Um, let me, stop laughing, because if, if you think I'm, I'm funny, I'll, I won't stop telling jokes, and we'll never get to the message. So um, let's just dive right in. Would you stand for the reading of God's word this morning? Our, our text is Psalm 33. And, uh, Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts he gathers the waters of the sea as a heap, he puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him, for he spoke and it came to be, he commanded, and it stood firm. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah, you need to take a seat. Um, so as I, I remember being in the office uh, when Drew and Robin kind of laid out for us that we were going through a series on the Apostles' Creed, um, and I was just like, I was like, yes! I was so excited. I was like, yeah, the Creed. Um, if you don't know, we're we're in a, our second sermon in the series of the Apostles' Creed, and the Creed is one of the Old, like Aside from the Bible is one of the most important documents that, as Christians, we have. For thousands of years, this document has been clung to and read and memorized and rallied around by the church as a way of saying, like, this is what we believe. This is who we are. We're brothers and sisters. In this This is what we believe in. So I was, I was really excited to go through the creed. Um, and then Drew and Robin were like, Hey, Logan, I'm, we're glad you're stoked because we are actually kind of thinking maybe you'd preach one of the, the sermons in the series. And I was like, Man, that's so cool. I was so stoked. Um, I was like, We kind of were looking through the dates and we found the date that worked. And we went to the, the list and we're like, Okay, it's uh, creator of heaven and earth. That's what you get. And I was like, Okay, cool, cool. Um, there's only like a million ways I could go with that. So like, where do you guys? What's the theme? Where do you guys want me to take it? And they're like, Oh yeah, that's up. That's up to you. I'm like, Okay, cool. Um, well, what what text do you want me to teach from? You know, what what text do you want me to to use? And they're like, Oh yeah, just just you can pick. And I'm like, Is there anything you can you you do want? And Robin looks at me and he goes, just Don't go more than 30 minutes. <laughs> and so that's kind of the setup. Um, and so there's there 's all these these places that I can go, but um, but i'm i 'm really compelled that that God has something special for us today um, so would you would you join me in just praying for our time together and i don 't mean sit there and listen to me, pray like would you try and like link your heart with this prayer? would you pray for for our time together that the Lord would meet us God only you know. How unworthy I am to stand here. Only, only you know the depths of my soul. So I pray this morning that, that every bit of me trying to vie for um, platform or prestige would be removed this morning, and that your word would stand firm, and that you would meet us today. Meet us, Father. If you don't meet us this morning, our worship is in vain. We need you to descend. We need you to speak to our hearts, Amen. So, as I began meditating on this idea of of God as creator of heaven and earth, my mind sort of instantly leapt to these um, these apologetic sort of debates that we get into around this topic of creation, um, and and as I uh, like. Um, was there or wasn't there a literal Adam and Eve? Uh, was the earth really created in six days? Or is that kind of like symbol, like a, like a metaphor for like kind of a long time? Um, is, there, is there room in the Christian idea of creation for the theory of evolution? Like I kind of just leapt there instantly. And I was, I was kind of thinking to myself, I was like, why do I just, why is that the place my, my mind just jumps? And I started doing some research and I'm like, oh, well, there's dozens and dozens and dozens of history channel and science channel documentaries on this topic uh, at, you, you start looking for you start thinking about something and then you see it everywhere you know so I'm on Facebook and it's like everyone's sharing articles about like why God couldn't be real because look at the vastness of the universe or, or you know one of my Christian friends shares like God has to have created like look at the intricacy of the human body and how it all works together that has to be intelligent um, and I'm like why are we so fascinated with this idea of why do our hearts all just seemingly leap to how did this happen and how can I most articulately defend what I believe about how this happened um, and e- even now like I bet some of you are sitting here and you're sort of thinking yeah go there like that's what I want I. I've got this friend at work and he always wants to talk about these things, like, come on Logan, go there, give me that silver bullet argument that's just going to shut him down, shut her down." Or, or maybe if you're just like slightly more honest, you're like, nah, there's no, I don't have like a person in mind, but I want you to go there because I want to aim that silver bullet at the skeptic in my own heart. Like, I have all these doubts. Like, can you can you give me that? Can you like shut these doubts down in me with your arguments? Or, or, or maybe some of you even are here and you're like, please don't, please, please, please don't because I've heard that before and it wasn't convincing then and I doubt it's going to be convincing now and you're terrified that you might walk out of here this morning hearing my arguments for why I think God created the world the way he did and you're terrified that you're actually going to walk out less convinced that God created the heavens and the earth and not more convinced. I think most of us can probably find ourselves on that scale somewhere, but the the question that that we so seldom ask is: Is that what God wants? Like, does He want us to just kind of leap there at the thought of His creation, at the thought that He created the heavens and the earth? Is that where He wants our hearts to go? Let I me. Mean, maybe this this might be a good time to pause and say, um, I don't have a problem with apologetics. Uh, I'm in full time Christian ministry, like this is what i 'm committed my life to like i I 'm kind of nerd out over that stuff, like I love thinking about and meditating on how God did what He did and why we believe what we believe. A part of my job is understanding those things, coming to a place of knowing that in my own heart and then sort of distilling it out to others and so i don 't have a problem with that in fact i would I go so far as to say I, I think God created you with a mind and a brain, and to not use that to think about him is to dishonor the way he created you. So I don't have a problem with these apologetics and arguments. My problem is what it says about our hearts, that that's the first place we go at the thought of creation, that we just beeline to, let me convince you that I'm right and you're wrong. Let me convince you that the way I think about this is the right way to think about this. What does that say about our hearts? Is it even wrong? Is it, does it say something bad about our hearts? I think it does. Um, maybe on just like a basic level, um, it's wrong just in the sense that, like, God doesn't need you to defend him. All right? God doesn't need you to run to his defense or have these airtight arguments. He's been doing a, a really great job of defending his creation for thousands of years, for all of existence. Like, how, how arrogant to think that you are going to run to God's defense? He's been defending himself for a long time. It's not because of your airtight arguments. Even today, people are still coming to faith. They're seeing the narrative of Christianity, and they're saying that they're saying God. You're saying God created everything that is, and then it got broken, and He entered into it in the person of Jesus, and then died to save it yeah, that's way more compelling than the narrative I live my life by. Like God doesn't, they don't come to that because of our airtight arguments. God is compelling enough. So there's, there's a certain level of arrogance there to, to thinking, to our hearts sort of be-lining to arguments or making our case. But I think there's something deeper going on. I think there's a bigger problem. I think it's this, when, when, you, when you leap to your defense of God, when you leap to this is what I believe and why I'm right and you're wrong, it shows that, that you have a, a vital misunderstanding of who God is. Um, Stick with me for a second, we're gonna get a little like theological. Um, going through the Creed, topic is creator of heaven and earth, so it's gonna get a little theological, but um, just, just bear with me for a minute. The, the story we often tell ourselves is that God, in all of his power, flexed and created everything. And that's, that's true, but it's only partly true. Because what we actually believe as Christians is, like, like, just think about if God did create everything, then necessarily that means he pre-existed it. The, cr- the creator always comes before creation. The artist always has a creative thought before pen ever hits paper, before the brush ever hits the canvas. The creator always comes before the creation. And and we believe—so God had to come before His creation, and we believe that God is triune. We believe that God exists as a trinity, so in a way that we can't fully wrap our minds around, we believe that God has, before He flexed His power in creation— He existed as a trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit all living together in perfect love, the Father perfectly loving the Son, perfectly loving the Spirit, who's perfectly loving the Father, and on and on and on into eternity past. And then, so that changes the whole story because we don't just believe that God is all power. It's not that he's, and it's not that he's more loving than he is powerful. It's that he's both. The story is that God in love decided to use his power to create all of existence so that his love could spread and so that he could, his love could be experienced and then returned. We have a God who in love flexed his power to create, and you might not see it like right on the surface, but when you instantly leap to these sort of defenses of God at the topic of creation, the topic of creation comes up, you beeline to, here's what I believe and why you're wrong and I'm right. You show that functionally, you believe that God is only a God of power. And if you have only a God of power, then to appease and serve that God best, your only option is that when the topic of creation comes up and someone has an opinion that differs from yours is to win that argument because you reflect your God into this world. And if your God is a God of all power and only power, then you have to win that argument or, you've to- or, or, or God is totally displeased with you. God will totally abandon you it doesn't just affect those, here's, here's what's really wrong, is it doesn't just affect those conversations we have. Like, this affects every relationship in our lives. If you're married, like, think about, think about your spouse. You serve a God who's only a God of power. When you go home, that's your kingdom, and your spouse will exist only to serve you and never to be served by you, because you have to reflect God's power. Think about work, you, you show up at work and everyone at the office is at risk of being totally bulldozed over by you on your climb up the ladder. Because you serve a God of power and you have to, to serve that God. You have to gain as much power as you can get. But when we take a second and we meditate on the fact that God in love used his power to create the heavens and the earth, and that changes the way we live out every one of those scenarios. We enter those conversations with people about creation. We meditate and think about and talk about creation, and and we're able to, like our God, say, before I have to win this argument or flex my intellectual power to let you know how smart I am, I can love you. I can love you in this conversation, and then maybe you you walk away, and you're not totally convinced that I'm right, but you, they will be totally compelled by what your God means to you and how you reflect his love into this world. Think, you go home, and if your God is a God of love and power, then you can use, you're free to use the power that you have here on this earth to love and serve your spouse and your family. You go to work and you can make deep, real, intimate friendships with people without worrying about uh, them getting in your way. You're totally free to just love people. You guys see that? Like, this idea, this, these thoughts of having to be the smartest person in the room and win the argument of creation and explain why we think this is how it happened and there's no other way. Is, is not just wrong, it's dangerous. And, and, and really, you, we can see it in the Trinity, but really we don't have to look any further than Jesus. The, the ultimate God-man, fully God, fully man, all-powerful, entered the world and said, said, in love I'm willing to lay aside my power and die to save you. Like you don't even have to go all the way to the Trinity. You can just look at Jesus and see that this is how God operates. This is the God we should be trying to reflect into this world. So it's not just just wrong. It's dangerous to sort of beeline to our arguments and defenses of God. Um, but. If that's not the response we should have, because so often it is, what should our response be? Like, what should creation motivate us to leap to? Um, if, if you're still there, go ahead and open up to Psalm 33, our text for the day, because I think, man, this is just such a beautiful, beautiful picture of what creation does for God's people, listen to. The, I, want, I want you guys to listen to listen to the verbs in here. Listen, listen to these opening few verses. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the. Lear, make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings. Like, can you imagine that? Like, listen to that. There's shouting and singing and playing and praising and thanking. This is is an epic worship scene that has broken out here that the psalmist is writing about. This is just skillfully played. is everything that we, we come on a Sunday expecting, right? Like we want there to be singing and giving of thanks and shouting and praising, skillful playing. This is just epic worship. And what's the motivation for it? What do, what do, what do we see here? What, what, has, what has spurred this worship scene that has broken out. Verse 4, for the word of the Lord is upright and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. Still, how has this worship broken out? By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. He gathers up the waters of the sea. He puts the deeps in storehouses. What has happened here is that these people were meditating on God as the creator of the heavens and the earth and all that is, and what just exploded from their heart was worship. They were thinking about how God, the earth is just full of his righteousness. How he created everything, and then they had to worship. Does that, does that happen for us? Is that, is that how we do it? Or do we run immediately to, this is how I think it happened and why? Or before we get there, do we let ourselves worship? This is, um, this is a little bit off uh, this in my notes, but but look at verse eight: "Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world s- um, stand in awe of Him." Isn't that good? Like in 2017, like, don't we need that? Because we live in a culture that just says, "You are your status is determined by how full your schedule is, by how busy you are. Your worship as God of God is, is totally based on what you do for Him. And I love this verse. Like, I need this verse. I need permission to say, sometimes when I look at God's creation, my only response is to stand in awe of Him, just like. There's no other, sometimes there's no other proper response than to just stand in awe of him. That's not. The notes. That's just that's just free. Um, this this idea isn't isn't just here. This is all over scripture. Let me look at just a couple more examples. Flip to Psalm 104. Just a few pages. Turn. Listen, listen to how the psalmist intertwines this idea of, of God and his creation. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. He lays the beams of his chambers on the waters. He makes clouds his chariots. He rides on the wings of the wind. He makes his messengers winds. Do you guys see that? How, how, what creation is here? Like God just using clouds as his chariot, and he's sending messages via the wind, and he's cl- clothing himself in light. So these people are sitting here meditating on, on God as the creator. And what happens? Jump down to verse 33. Here's their response to meditating on God as creator. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Creation, worship. It's all over scripture. This is always the response to thinking of God as the creator. You don't see, the Bible's not a textbook that gives us all of the answers and reasons why for every situation and scenario, but it does show us the pattern that our lives should l- play out, the pattern that our lives should look like. Meditating on creation. Worship. Um, one more. Just one more. Um, and this one, man, this one this one rocked me this week. Um, go to revelation 4 uh, let me let me paint this scene for you real quick um, so John the Apostle has been given this vision of the end times um, and how how it's all going to play out and before he gets to the end he's he's given this picture of the throne room of God and and in, in God's throne room, he looks up and he's, he's trying to describe things that we don't have human words for. And so, but he tries, right? And so there's all these cool images in Revelation that get a little confusing. But what I want you guys to focus on is, is what he sees here. John says, he, he says that all day and all night, there's these four living creatures, and they're super cool. They're like, they got a ton of wings and kind of cool heads and stuff, but there's these four living creatures, and all day and all night, they're flying around God. All day, all night, never ceasing to say this, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Right now, in God's throne room, this is happening all day, all night, for eternity. And then the next verse says, and whenever they do this, so we've already determined that's all the time, this other thing happens. So this other thing is also happening all the time. John says there's 24 elders in the throne room, and whenever the living creatures give honor to God, they bow down and worship 24 hours a day, all day and all night in heaven right now, there are 24 elders constantly worshiping God. And how do they do it? What do they say? Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will, they existed and were created. 24 hours a day, all day every day right now the words that will never grow old what you'll never get tired of saying to God is worthy are you for you created here's what just blew me up about this this week I, I, I'm thinking about this verse I'm thinking of that this is happening right now and you guys realize like one day one day all our debate will cease. One day, one day, where you land on a lot of these issues centered around how creation played out will cease. We'll be with him and we'll have the answer. What won't end, what will never cease, is worshiping God for creating it. Like, are you, do you try and live that out now? Like, are you on the, on the fence with some of these issues? Have you already decided where you land on, like, six-day creation versus, like, it all playing out over a millennia? Did you, have you figured out where you land on that? Once you land, do you hit your knees and worship? Like do, you, like, do you believe that God created the heavens and the earth in six literal days? Do you look at each day and say, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the trees and for the birds and for the animals and for me and for water and for air. Do you think it played out over millennia? Do you hit your knees and say, God... You were so sovereign for so long. Thank you that I'm here today. I want to worship you for how you created the world. It doesn't matter where you land. Like, do you worship? That's where God wants us to go. But there's a problem we don't. We, that's, that's not where we, where we go. So the, the question is how do we cultivate this heart of worship? Um, I, have a, I have a lot of um, anxiety around this, this sort of, as we wrap up here, uh, around this issue because um, I feel like there's a, there's a pressure in modern preaching today to, to be really practical and, and kind of have three application points that all sort of start with the same letter, right? Um, and I, I just, as I was—spoiler I, alert—I don't have that. <laughs> uh, like, as as I was meditating on on this idea of how to cultivate a heart that worships, I realized like I I could I could probably think really hard and give you that, but if I did, I'm I'm really compelled that I, I'd be giving you a lie. That if I tried to give you some I, I wish so badly that I could give you some magic phrase that you can just say that would just I- erupt worship in your heart but but i i, I can't give you that um, because that's that's not how it works and um so, so to wrap up here I'm just gonna I'm just gonna share a little bit of my story and how this played out for me and um and how i I think it how I think a a heart that worships God is cultivated um, so when i was um when I was really young, like middle school i I'm, I'm still i'm young, but younger um like middle school, I was just total loser like 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 weird before being weird was cool, like you know how, like being weird is kind of cool now it's like oh, you're really into like Nerdy stuff. That's awesome. Uh, It wasn't that way. It was not that way in '98. (laughs) Um, It was just you're seven years old and you are a loser. (laughs) Um, I was really like large. I was unathletic. I was not attractive. Um, I don't know how that happened, (laughs) Uh, um, but I definitely got the better end of the the Laura Mosley deal. And I so I'm just this total loser. And what it did in my, in my heart was like the only thing I wanted, I just, I just wanted people to like me. It was, it was literally in middle school, I can just remember like, I just remember like coming home crying, like, like opening the door and being like, is anyone home? <laughs> just weep because I just, I felt like no one liked me. I didn't have any friends. I just, it's, 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 my heart was just just had this huge desire to be liked by everyone. And then I got to 10th grade and in the, in the craziest amount of courage I've ever had in my life, I strapped on a Speedo and tried out for the swim team. (laughs) And I ended up getting really good, like really quick. Um, God made me to swim and that's obvious. Like it just, just worked out that way. Um, And I don't tell you uh, to tell you that I'm was some great swimmer, but I tell you that to tell you that I can literally remember the day that um, like I got in in like front kind of front page of the sports section of the paper um, for winning some swim meet. And I, I I was leaving for school that day, and my dad had laid the paper on the table, and I saw it as I was leaving the house. I was like, Oh my God, this is crazy this is so cool, you know, through swimming, I kind of lost some weight, I'd grown up a little bit, didn't have all the acne, and I kind of realized that, like, maybe you can be weird, but you don't have to tell everyone you're weird, and, and now my picture's in the paper, I was like, man, this is, this is crazy, and I literally remember showing up to school, and I instantly had all these friends, like, I'm looking around, and people are, like, coming up, and giving me high fives, like, congrats, Logan, hey, way to go, man, love you, it. yeah, it's good to see you, and I'm like, okay, I asked you out last year and you said it was too fat and uh, yeah, we used to be friends and now we are totally not because you just bailed on me and I remember when I told you how much I really just wished Pokemon were real and you were like, ah, oh, I got to get away from this guy and like, <laughs> I just, I remember being like, but now you're my friend? And here's the thing, I didn't care. I loved it. I was like, yes, everything I've ever wanted. People like me and I saw all these people who liked me and so my cause cause I would have said I was a Christian, right? I had great parents, raised in a Christian home, but functionally the God that I served was the God of popularity and the God of me, the God of like me, be my friend. And now suddenly all these people like me, and so my worship of that God just grew. And then, I, and then I started to see all these people who I didn't know. And I started thinking, like, well, these people like me. I bet I could go get some of them. And I'd go, like, grab them. Like, hey, do you like me? Oh, you do? Sweet. And then my worship would grow. And then I'd see some other people over here. And I was like, oh. And then I got to college. And I was like, oh, here's a whole group of people who don't know me. And like me, like me, like me. And then the worship of me, the worship of people liking me, it just grew and grew and grew. It was this vicious cycle. It was all I could think about. Swimming wasn't about me being good at swimming. It was about me keeping up appearances so that people would keep liking me. Going to church wasn't about going to church because I loved God. It was about there's some friends there who kind of like me, and I got to keep that up. Everything was consumed by this. Until one day, and my sophomore year of college, I, I just I was sitting on the couch one Saturday morning, And I, I just, I just remember the, I I can't describe this any other way than a divine appointment from the God of the universe. Like I just felt in my heart, I didn't hear a voice, but I just felt in my heart God say, are you going to keep playing this game? where you tell people you serve me, but really all of your trust is in yourself. And you can keep playing this game where you say to people that I'm the center of your life, but really you just worship what other people think of you. In that moment, I knew, I, I, I'd grown up in church, so I knew kind of the story, and I just, I, I only knew two things. I just said, oh my God, you are real, and you must, to come to me like this, like I am, you must really love me. That's all I knew, and I just, I just, I said, God, I, I don't know what this is going to mean, but I, I can see that you're real, and I can see that you love me, and I just, whatever you want, I'm yours. Just whatever you got to do, and so I started reading my Bible and worshiping God, and all I had was that he was real, and he loved me, and so I'd worship that, and then this thing started happening happen where I would read my Bible, and I'd worship God and then I'd see new things about him like he would reveal things about himself to me in his word and then and then I was like oh my god you're you're not just there and you don't just love me but you're like holy like in how holy you are you still love how filthy I am wow and then the god that I was able to worship grew and and man Early on in those days, like, it was seemingly every day that God would just reveal something new about himself, and the God that I could worship would grow, and it would grow, and I'd worship him, and I'd, I'd, I'd put my nose in my Bible, and then I'd see more, and I'd worship that now, and, then, and it was just this cycle of seeing him, worshiping him, see, seeing him, worshiping him, seeing him, worshiping him, seeing him grow, and guys, I, that's how it works and i'm sorry that that's not cool and that's not sexy it's it's really hard it's not always fun it doesn't stay daily right like it's not every day that i'm seeing new things about god and then able to worship him but i take what i have of him and i worship that and when i'm diligent and I stay in the Bible, and I keep worshiping him, he's faithful. And when I wake up, and I don't want to worship him, and I don't read my Bible, he's still faithful, and then I can worship him for that. And it just keeps going. And I just stay on this road. And that's where it starts. That's where it started for me, and that's where it starts, that's where it can start for you. Because when you're sitting here right now, and you're like, I, I think I want that. It doesn't sound cool. It doesn't sound sexy, but I, I don't, I want that. It starts by saying, God, I don't, it starts just raising your hands saying, God, I don't have much of you, but what I have, can you let me worship it? I mean, like maybe it starts right here at the table. Like maybe you come to the table this morning and you say, God, I don't have much of you. I can't see much of you, but I can see your body and I can see your blood. Can you let that be enough this morning? Can you let me worship that? And then you stick with him and you worship him and you fail him and you worship him and you stick with him and you see that he sticks with you and then you, you let him down and you see he never lets you go. And then you you keep your eyes set on the future and you think maybe 50, 60, 90 years from now, the amount of God that I'll be able to worship will be this much, and you let that motivate you today. You say, maybe I'll worship you that much then, and then maybe one day he calls you home, he calls us home, and we're with him. And we're in the throne room and we can join the 24 elders in a, in, in a worship of God that isn't inhibited by how broken this world is, that's not held back by our flesh but we get to join them in the worship that'll never grow old, that'll never get boring, that'll never be dry, and we can say, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and power and honor. Why? For you created all things. Let's pray. God, I am in awe of you. You're so good. You're so holy. And maybe, I don't, maybe some of us don't feel like we have much of you, but would you just let that be enough this morning? Would you let us come to the table and worship you with as much as we can, with as much of ourselves as we can? Just meet us here, Father. Let our worship of you be right let let our meditation on creation spur us to worship you for everything that you are to us. We love you, Lord, so much. Amen.